Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. Coming up on the Friday Food Fight Podcast, Microsoft, Google, disappointing earnings hurting the market. Going to talk about what's going on in the tech world. This is Money Beat. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Now, Financial Food Fight. Oh, welcome everybody to the Friday Financial Food Fight. Paul Vigna, Stephen Grosser, Jack Otter in the studio, Chuck Jaffe on his cell phone traveling today. And, you know, I was going to do my jokey thing about let's, you know, pick a topic from Twitter moments. But I'm looking at Twitter moments. They're all, I, I got to say, they're all really depressing. I personally am devastated that you're not going to do your jokey intro. You are. Devastated. All right. Well, here you go, Grocer. Here are your, here are your, your topics as called by Twitter moments. Uh, Be Prince, careful what you ask for. Prince reportedly overdosed on Percocet. You, you want to talk about that one, Grocer? Is that a big one with you? Sure. Yeah, okay. Uh, multiple dead in Ohio shooting. That's that's Ooh. horrible. Birdman storms out of interview. I got to, I'm sure I'm saying admitting something about myself right now. I have no idea who Birdman is. Yeah, Anybody? well, who is interviewing him? I don't know. We'd have to go to Twitter moments and check I'm sure it, out. it was a great get. Uh, the Breakfast Club? Popular morning radio show, The Breakfast Club? Birdman? Does anyone know who Birdman is? No. Oh, my God. We're so, we're but so he's, square. But he's at the top of Twitter as opposed to, like, Trump storming out of an interview or deciding he's not going to be interviewed. Wow. What, 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 what's new about that? I don't know who Birdman Tanya, do you know who Birdman is? Oh, my God. None of us know who Birdman is. You could read the story. I could. Uh, whatever. All right. Well, we're not going to talk about Birdman, folks. Uh, anyhow, not a lot of good stuff here on, on Twitter moments. So let's talk about things that we might possibly know something about, like uh, Microsoft and earnings season. How about that? Uh, you wrote about <laughs> it talk this about morning. That one? So I'm, I think you, you're probably the expert. Yeah, but it was just kind of a, a, a spot piece, really, just about how Microsoft and Google both disappointed investors with their earnings. The stocks are down. It's kind of leaning. It's leaning. It's weighing on the entire market. The the thing I think is interesting about Microsoft is that this is a stock in a company that for a decade was really dead in the water. It was a dog. I mean, they were behind the times. Their reputation was terrible. Every, I personally thought every product they came out with was awful. The stock went nowhere. But in the last year or so, really since Satya Nadella has come around, they have, they have really done a lot to turn the company around. The company, I think their their image is completely different. The products are different. Uh, the numbers are better, except for this quarter. Well, I mean, I, two points I made. And the numbers weren't bad. I was, they weren't terrible, but they were disappointing to investor expectations. Given that you still use a flip phone, I'm very surprised you're not their target <laughs> audience. Um, I am their target Hey, man, I'm cool, like, too. You, you have a this. Zoom somewhere, this, don't you? Look at this. Mac, this is a MacBook. I'm cool, too. I'm hip, too. I think what was what's interesting is, and it's not just uh, maybe the, this speaks to maybe a bigger issue than just Microsoft was that the slowdown. The thing that got I think investors very worried was the slowdown in its cloud computing yeah, services right. business, um, which IBM also had issues with earlier, um, right. as these big sort of tech behemoth try to sort of uh, you know sw switch from 
you know, on-demand pivot, software right, pivot right. to this. They're sort of, you know, they've they've stumbled a bit in this quarter. And does that speak also to, you know, a bigger issue, very similar to last quarter, if you remember, we had that big sell-off on tech, and a lot of that was a lot of that was credited to basically people worried about the economy and worried about how much corporate, um, you know, uh, corporate America was spending. For services, is this yeah. a, is this a similar issue? I don't uh, I don't know the answer to that. There it could be a technical thing. They are blaming it a little bit on taxes. We'll have to see whether that's for real or not. But right. that's part of it. Um, what cracked me up though is your point about the the stock being a dog. I remember I I met with this guy Tom Forrester, who was literally the only long only mutual fund manager to to have an up year in '08. And wow. his, his best idea shortly after this was Microsoft. And I'm like, really? That's all you got <laughs> That's, is, is Windows. Well, and if it was hold, a good call. If he's held. Well, no, this was right after the financial crisis. So since oh, then, yeah, it's so actually then, sure, it's been, a good uh, call been, been, been a pretty good call. Right. Yeah. Uh, but this well, transition to the cloud is going to be rocky. And I think uh, that's what we're seeing. As a Microsoft shareholder, which I've been for a long time, I'll take total return of about 9% over the last 10 years on average. So, you know, I, I, I like it when a stock is called a dog in the last three calendar years. The worst year it had was up 22%. So from that standpoint, right. I'm not feeling so bad. Right. About well, and I'm saying I'm things. saying not the last couple of years since Nadella came around, especially. But before that, that stock was dead in the water. It went nowhere. Yeah, but I think ultimately you have to take a look. And, I mean, as a shareholder, I never like to see a, a stock that I own drop 7% in a day. And at yeah. the same time, I've seen it go through periods where it's done the same sorts of things. And while you question the cloud capabilities and all the things that are next, you still take a look. And right now, Microsoft is still sort of a toll collector on so many people's you know, systems, et cetera, that you still look and go, it's going to be a long time before we go to where there's real trouble here. So for me, you yeah. know, and, and I have restrictions about once I talk about something, et cetera, you know, when am I allowed to sell it or anything else. But even if I didn't have those restrictions, this wouldn't be scaring me in the least. It doesn't scare me in the least. So, how, how long have you been a shareholder? Basically from when they first instituted their dividend. I'd have to go back and see when that was. Yeah, it's like but around the time that Microsoft said, hey, we've got all this cash and we're going to pay a dividend, that's when I said, you know, I think it may be time to do this because you can collect a reasonable dividend and the yield was good back then. So if you look at yield over cost, YOC, as some people call it, if you look at the yak on the stock, for me, the yak is still pretty good because it's still what I bought it at back then. Right. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, you look at these companies, Google, Microsoft, Apple's going to report on on Tuesday, not Monday. They move their earnings yeah, to yeah. Tuesday. These are still profitable companies. I mean, well, let's not kid ourselves. Well, I mean, Google is also very interesting because you know we had a we had a, a heard on the street about this. Like they they regularly they don't play the Wall Street game of sort of guiding down and getting everyone to lower their you know right. estimates. So they they miss earnings estimates quite <laughs> regularly. Um, so I mean, like you know that's. That's sort of the norm for Google. They, you know, they have a pullback after reporting earnings because they, they missed. But if you look, their ad, the you know, their ad search business still is, you know, making money hand over fist. Yeah. Uh, one but thing I'm saying. What you, isn't that what you want from every company? Wouldn't yeah. you prefer that everybody say, analysts, screw the analysts. I don't care what the analysts say. Let me go manage my business for the way my business should be. And if we have a good quarter, we have a good quarter. If we have a bad quarter, we have a bad quarter. But we're not going to window dress it. And we're not going to make some decision so that we can show a good quarter that's going to somehow bite us in the butt 
two years down the line. Right. I think that's because well, Google. Th- thanks for stepping on the third rail, Chuck. <laughs> uh, just because, just as you know, people who grew up in the Depression have a certain view of money. Google went public not too long after the tech bust, and I think it, that's reflected. Th- thanks for in insulting its all our listeners, Jack. Uh, that's a good thing. No, my parents are, you know, yeah. they, they, they're thrifty in many ways because of that upbringing. And, and I think Google just didn't want to play that game of eyeball counting and everything that got in, right. that's got everyone in such, such trouble. I mean, I'm sorry. I just want to make one distinction. When you mentioned Apple, what is amazing when you throw Apple into that group is how much cheaper it is than Google, Microsoft. Oh, yeah. The market in general, oh, yeah. yes. 11 times earnings, and that's real, like gap earnings, not right. the earnings that so many, air quotes, that so many of the other companies uh, actually use, tech yeah. companies, that yeah. is. I mean, Chuck, I think you're absolutely right. You would like the, to see these companies solely focused on building for the long term. Uh, but the reality is that just doesn't happen because of myriad reasons, really. I mean, what? I was, I was going to point out. I mean, like, I, I think it's. I think to Chuck's point. I mean, look. If you just look last week at you know, the, and earlier this week with the big banker earnings, all those stocks popped. The KBW Bank Index right. is now in a bull market. Um, you know, I think uh, Citigroup is now up. You know, thirty some odd percent from its mid-February lows, and those are not good earnings. Those, you know, right, every right. bank except for Wells Fargo of the major U.S. banks reported sizable declines in revenue. Goldman down 40 percent and it popped on the day that it actually finished up on the day mm-hmm. it reports. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. It, well, it, it's all expectations. It, it's but, not fundamentals. It's expectations. And that is a hallmark of Wall Street. It's the expectations of guys who have the attention span of a fleet. Right. <laughs> sure. Because none of the problems with the big banks have gone away. I mean, they still have interest rate issues. The revenue is starting. It doesn't look necessary. It looks look much more secular, at least in trading. I mean, they're facing big issues of how are they going to actually grow? How are they going to generate revenue? Right. And how well, are those poor guys going to live if their exactly. bonuses are deferred yeah. for yeah. you know yeah. seven years or something? Well, and look, this is why you get to a point where people are very cynical about the stock market because you have these major indexes that are within a couple of percentage points of their all-time highs or the total return, as you pointed out last week, Jack, of the S&P 500 hit a new high, and the earnings growth for these companies basically stinks, and the revenue growth basically stinks, and that is a reflection of where we are as an, an economy. And people look at this, and they, they there's such a disconnect between what the stocks are doing and what the underlying fundamentals are saying is happening. That's all about Wall Street expectations and the Fed goosing the capital markets and all those things, and we should probably take a break. Uh, before you start pitching before, Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. No, no, listen, I write about Bitcoin. I am not an investor in it. I do not I do not promote it, but I do write about it. Trust me, he keeps his cash in his mattress. It has not gone yeah. into Bitcoin yet. <laughs> yeah. Flip phone. Uh, all right, let's, we, I'm actually not kidding. We do have to take a break here. We'll come back with this after this important message. Hi, this is Kevin Sitzemong. This is Beth Cracklauer. Check us out on the Off-Duty Podcast. We talk about food, cocktails, all of the finer things in life. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. And become a subscriber on iTunes. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Food Fight, Paul Vigna, Stephen Gross, Jack Otter, and Chuck Jaffe. And uh, now I will I will sing a few bars of Purple Rain in honor of 
print so everybody can stand back. What do you got there, uh, uh, Jack? I just, Show I just me had a to chart. pull up the Citigroup chart, which looks like the mirror image almost of the Microsoft chart. Right. Because what, what I don't know what animal that is, but it goes up and it plat- It looks like a mesa. Okay, it goes up, it stays yeah. there for a while, and now it goes down, and we are now at sea level. It looks, and have it looks been like there. Devil's Tower. How many, how many yeah. years is that over? Uh, since nine. About 1975. Yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry, 1980 probably. Yeah, well, the, the best wow. one to do is actually, I think, is AIG. Oh, yeah. Because like you realize that AIG shares haven't moved at all; it's just a flat line. So yeah, this is, this is a great podcast, guys. Let's talk about stock charts that nobody can see. <laughs> really brilliant, brilliant work there, fellas. Uh, hey, let, let's talk for two minutes about Prince. Anybody here who's a Prince fan among us? I, I am. You are. I am. Yeah. You know, it may not be cool to admit it, but. Uh, uh, you know, Purple Rain came out in 1984, the year I was graduating from college. I saw Prince back in Ann Arbor when I was in school and, um, you know, saw him once a decade basically after that. Yeah. And, mm. and you know, the, the amazing thing is go back to the early days and he was always different and there was always a musical genius there that, you know, was very cool and, and sort of underappreciated and yet it was always a great time. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, was, I mean, I was a fan. I wasn't, you know, the biggest fan, but, yeah, you, know, you were a fan. I saw him in concert twice. So. You did? You yeah. saw Prince in concert twice, yeah. huh? Other, uh, other concerts I've seen, it's, you know, George Clinton, Parliament Funkadelic. Yeah, you have an and, interesting and, and, and concert Prince. history, yes. sir. It surprises me. Yeah, yeah. I saw the Stray Cats back in, whoa, like, when I was in, like, in the early 80s when my uh, my mom's college. Interesting. I did, too. You did, too? I, yeah, I saw the Stray Cats in a little club. Yeah, I saw, they I saw were the even, Back before they were even hot, I was working as a bouncer at this little club. So, was that at Mother's? <laughs> uh, no, in my case, it was in Ann Arbor. It was, it was Second Chance. It doesn't even exist anymore. Oh, yes, it's funny. I saw them at the Capitol Theater in Passaic, which also does not exist anymore. Yeah, but I went to a few concerts there when I was in high school. You, that's right, because you're from Jersey. I am. From you remember the Capitol. But, you know, the interesting thing was sort of, even for... <laughs> this podcast has become extremely provincial all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> The cool thing thing about Prince was sort of how he transcended things, how he kept, you know, the the artists who have kept our attention for a long time Mm -hmm. typically found ways to reinvent themselves, whether it was Prince or, you know, Madonna or what have you. It's it's the thing that you always look at as, wait, there were ways that they were reinventing themselves. And Prince did a tremendous amount beyond the music that, you know, everybody talks about, the whole thing where he was changing his name and all of the fights over rights. Right. He was way ahead of the curve on doing stuff that every artist out there basically should be thanking him for at this point. It's true. Uh, I was going to say, among other things, he did everything. You know, it's not like he had backup bands and a guitarist and all. He did it all. Uh, right, he which, played all the instruments on his albums. becoming right. increasingly rare. I was on television this morning with a, a music producer who told the story that we can't prove, but it's he, he, there are a lot of sources that somebody asked Eric Clapton, what, what is it like to be the best guitar player? Oh, that was on Twitter yesterday. Apparently not a, not a real quote. Not a real quote. Okay. Well, he, I'll, 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 I gotta, I'm now you got to tell the story. The not real quote is that Eric Clapton was asked, <laughs> who's the, what's it like being the best guitar player on earth? And his response is, I don't know. We need to go ask Prince. Yeah, uh, apparently it's, uh, it was an older quote. I think it was either about Jimi Hendrix or asked of Jimi Hendrix, and he said somebody else. And, you know, it's one of those things that floats around, like the Churchill quote about, you know, when you're young, you're a liberal. When you're old, you're a conservative. Churchill didn't say it. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. Compounding the most powerful force in the universe, not said by Einstein. (laughs) Yeah. 
But you know, yeah, but, go, go ahead, Chuck. Well, I mean, again, the whole the whole side of things that that you go back and yeah, when Prince was first coming out, nobody recognized that he was playing every instrument on on his albums. What they all talked about back then was whether or not he was breaking obscenity laws with the bed that he had on the rising <laughs> the risers that he brought out on stage, et cetera. And uh, you know, he created this entire industry. And unlike Rick James, who was trying to do the same thing back in the 1980s, didn't implode in the process. And I'll also point out, um, Prince was behind the scenes incredibly generous. My brother, when he was alive, ran the California State Summer School for the Arts, hmm. and there was a program that basically they invited, asked Prince to get involved in, and my brother was like, you've never seen a big-name artist sort of come in and say, let's do this and make sure that everybody gets what they need, and I get no credit for it. And um, wow. that, that counts a lot when you're dealing with kids and all that other sort of stuff. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, the, the thing I think about, I wasn't the biggest Prince fan on the planet, but I mean, it's just, to to me, when I first, I was like, oh, another guy from the 80s is gone. You know, like, it, it, I don't want to depress everybody going into the weekend, but when I hear about things like this, I just think like, <laughs> but I'm going to do I, it. I, I, well, I'm not, but I just think like, this is the rest of my life is going to be seeing people that I was raised around or, you know, I thought I knew them, you know, but the, these sort of iconic people just dying off one after the other. And it's just, well, at least no, you can, you I'm can, not can... trying to depress you folks, but I mean, that's, that's when I see another one like this, that's what I think. And at least you can go check your portfolio and realize it's going nowhere because the stock market is just being propped up by the Fed and nobody's earning anything. <laughs> that, that'll lighten your day for you. I'm really, I'm not Welcome a to my life every <laughs> single day. I'm not, a, I'm not a pessimistic person. I'm really not in my real life. Although it's funny what Pat Sullivan said about the, the breakfast. You can tell that story grows because that's a pretty funny well, So every morning, is, Paul pours a bowl. This is how much I care about the show. I like good stories uh, uh, even at what, my What expense. a bran flakes into a bowl. Is it uh, raisin bran flakes? Well, it's like some kind of oat fiber yeah. or something or other, you know. Because, you know, he Paul's a child. I'm trying to be healthy. Of, Paul's a child of the 80s. He's trying to avoid the curse. and and he But he doesn't eat it with milk. <laughs> So he gets a spoon and a there's ball. A, there is a reason and he eats for that. It, it doesn't eat with milk, and and so I, there's a I, good I, reason for that. And, and when, so the question came up is, you know, was Paul <laughs> t- <laughs> too cheap to use the free milk that we're given right. in, in in the office here? And Pat Sullivan, who's the editor of Marketer Talk, but he, he pointed out that, that I would take the edge off of Paul. <laughs> take my edge off. It'd make me happy. Uh, if he had milk in his cereal, he's like, no, I'm eating. Better to cut your tongue. <laughs> yeah. Right. Better to cut my tongue on dry cereal and remain miserable. He said it would ruin my writing if yeah. I was happy. <laughs> but that's not true. I'm not I'm not a pessimistic person in real life. And the reason I do it is because I'm sitting there trying to catch up on the news, on my email, and it takes me so long to get through my cereal that when you put milk on it, by the time I'm done, it's all soggy and it's inedible, and so I eat it dry, okay? I eat my cereal dry. Grocer can't get over this. Every morning, this is a, a recurring source of wonderment to him. I think everyone who's listening right now wants to come and sit in our office. Right. <laughs> no, I'm just, I, I'm just wondering, don't we consider that failed multitasking? Right? Yes, I agree. I agree. <laughs> You're eating the cereal dry so that you can do more things and not ruin the cereal. That you've ruined the cereal by not having it with milk, so de facto, you suck at multitasking. Uh, Chuck, I suck at single tasking. I'm like, I, I don't know if you've noticed, I don't do many things well at all. He has a flip phone. <laughs> <laughs>
I have a flip phone. Right. And I would like to point out that Forbes put Bird's man, Birdman's net worth at $150 million. Have we figured out who this guy is? Yeah, he's a hip-hop artist, and we ought to know who he is. Oh, yeah. he's so square. Yeah. It's really well, embarrassing. Well, the, the, answer is, the answer is he's tops for a day as opposed to Prince, who was there for decades. Oh, yeah. good line. Chuck Jaffe, good line. Uh, let's leave it on that. Oh, no, let's not. We well, I, just gonna, I was just going to point out just a nice number to end the night. Okay. I'm uh, looking forward to next week. ExxonMobil is, is predicted by analysts to uh, report profit uh, a profit under $2 billion. It's the first time since the merger it's going to report a quarterly profit under $2 billion. Exxon's going to earn under $2 billion? $1.3 is what Thompson has it at right now. Wow. For the quarter. They would earn seven, eight, nine, ten billion at the when the when oil was at its top. 10, you know, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. over ten. Until Apple started having its record quarters, Exxon had all the record. No one quarters. had ever seen a quarters like those. Right, right. So that's okay. and this is before. I mean, we're going back before. This is how much oil the price of oil falling has taken out of right. Exxon's earnings. We're going back before the Exxon Mobil merger. Right. That's so that, unbelievable. Yeah, it's a startling number. Wow. Figured that's what we should enjoy that on. when you fill up your yeah. tank this weekend. Exactly. Right. Right. When you go to your mobile station, think about that. What you're doing? <laughs> to, what you're doing to that company? That poor Exxon Mobil, trying to save a couple of bucks in this crazy world, and you're driving Exxon under two billion in quarterly profit. Now Bernie Sanders is going to be angry about that. He is. <laughs> He's going to be horrified about that. All right. Uh, let's let it go there. I want to thank the the two people that made it through this entire podcast for listening, <laughs> and uh, we will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ.